Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Another week, the Chris Johnston Show right back at it. CJ, this show is so jam-packed with all the stuff I want to talk about. I don't even think we need to go in on the fact that the Leafs had a 4-1 lead and blew it. And that ended up kind of ruining a lot of Leafs fans' weekends, unfortunately. You think it ruined weekends? I mean, they're 24-2 and in their last 26 games. And honestly, I don't know if you watched that game. That was a hell of a game. I watched that game. That was that, It actually that was, was one insane. of the, the better games I've seen in the last few weeks. Um just tons of great players. You know, Matthews came out like a batter to hell. The Leafs build that lead, and then the Avalanche just trapped them. I mean, they they really brought it. Um, and I love three-on-three overtime. So, it, you know, I thought it was a hell of a game. Jack Campbell made an unbelievable Superman save. Incredible save. And even that wasn't good enough to get two points for Toronto. But, you know, I don't think it's a stretch to say that could be a Stanley Cup final. And I know everyone's going to chuckle because it's the whole Leafs thing, and I get it, blah, 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 blah. But... You know, if you look at the the rate of play this season, it's not impossible. I mean, I'm not saying it's most likely. Colorado probably still most likely to come out of the West, uh, I would say. Not sure what the bookies say right now. You know, you got a few other teams, Florida, Carolina in the East, Tampa. You can't be sleeping on the Lightning, but... Don't sleep on them. You know, as I say, the Leafs have lost four games in regulation of 26 since October 25th. So, you know, they've they've been cruising along pretty good here for two and a bit months. I'll say this. If we get if we get a Colorado Toronto Stanley Cup final, we get two teams that are like I mean, I know Colorado has a defense that they have, but like two teams pretty much built on their offenses. Like that should be fun. That should be a fun Stanley Cup final. Right. Well, they've now played twice this year, and I believe there was ten goals in both games or close to ten goals. Anyway, a lot of scoring. Um that'd be great to see over a playoff series. I mean, it's so hard, right? I mean, you, you do see yeah. odd, the odd blowout game in a playoffs, but I think everything's so magnified by the coaches and everything that so many playoff games become two, one, three, two type of games. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I don't have the sense. Obviously, I saw Steve Dangle's reaction. Him and producer <laughs> Drew going at it. They're, they're, they're two loves. Um, but I'm not sure. I feel like if you're watching that game as a fan, you shouldn't really be that discouraged. I mean, it's. I'm not saying you should blow a four-one lead, but two great teams went toe-to-toe, and and the Leafs had beat them back home in the game at Scotiabank Arena. They gave up a point there, but. I thought it was a hell of a game. It was an amazing game. But all that to say, CJ, it, our episode is so jam-packed, or at least there are so many other topics I want to get to, we don't even need to do a big in-depth recap at that game. The first thing I want to start off today is with Evander Kane, and that story ha- has been one of the more notable stories for the NHL season with regards to him not playing in San Jose. It culminates now in his contract being terminated uh, by the San Jose Sharks, being put on unconditional waivers. Uh, what are your thoughts on that situation, and what's next for Evander Kane and 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 his agent. Well, this was totally unexpected. I think, you know, as much as Evander's been kind of in the news for the wrong reasons for the better part of a year, whether it was his bankruptcy, the the gambling investigation the NHL did, you know, the fact he was suspended 21 games for doctoring a vaccination card at the start of the year, even despite that, it's really hard to, you know, void a contract. Uh, it's, it's not something teams pursue very often at all. I mean, occasionally a player might want to go back to Europe and he and the team decide mutually to to terminate his contract but you know the, the language in the standard player contract does allow for it but it's it's you need 
a high burden of proof, I guess. And so, you know, the Sharks feel they have that here. You know, Evander flew back. He's been with their AHL team, the Barracuda. Uh, he flew back to Vancouver uh, eight days after a positive COVID test. And, and the Sharks are saying that's in violation of uh, the AHL's COVID protocols. I think there might be some other violations involved that they'll, they'll cite. And, you know, it's a, it's a strange story because, you know, it's $23 million, give or take, a little bit less than that. He has remaining on his deal. And so the fact that teams don't void many contracts for breach if ever is notable. The fact there's $23 million remaining on this one guarantees there's going to be a battle. And probably the weirdest part of this is that technically the, the day or minute someone clears unconditional waivers and, and has their contract terminated, they can sign and be an unrestricted free agent with anyone. But in Evander's case, you know, he can sign with someone, but, and I, this is still being worked out as we're recording this between the NHL and NHLPA, but it's, it's my understanding that if he were to sign a deal today, just for argument's sake, you know, he might void his ability to, to have a claim against that previous contract. In other words, he might have to wait for the situation to play out before he can play again. And so, you know, that hasn't been formally decided, at least as far as I know. Um, but it's it's an unusual set of circumstances because obviously he needs to understand it. He wants to, he doesn't believe he's violated something, you know, if he doesn't believe his, his contract should be terminated, he should fight for that money, of course. But it might keep him from being able to continue his career for a little while while that, that process plays out. Uh, for for people who are trying to wonder, uh, the cap hit that Evander Kane previously had was at seven million. And also, I have a dumb question. So, because this has gone through, that seven million is not on the San Jose Sharks books at all. It doesn't count on the cap. Am I am I right? At this moment, yes, because the NHL essentially backs the Sharks here. The NHL believes there are grounds to terminate the deal. Uh, and so the deal is terminated as we're recording this. Of course, you know, a grievance process is going to get started. You know, I, I've, I've reached out to some people to see how long what might that take? Like, could it be expedited in this case? And even that is still a little bit unclear as of, you know, Monday, January 10th at 9 a.m. when we're recording this. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it will become clear within a couple of days. You know, I, I think that there's the NHL and the HLPA almost have to set the ground rules for how this will go, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it. But as of this moment, his contract's terminated. He technically is an unrestricted free agent. He's certainly free or his agent is free to talk to other teams. Doesn't mean he has to sign a deal, but he can start lining up where he might end up when the time is right. And I will say for all the the sort of troubles that have gone on here, I, I do think he will get another contract somewhere else. Uh, but first there's sort of settling this matter of the status of his deal with the Sharks. I mean, maybe an arbitrator will just rule yeah, he, he crossed the line that, that that's needed. They have the legal right to terminate this deal. If that's the case, he ain't signing for $7 million a year, I don't think, on that next contract. But he certainly, there certainly will be a path back to the NHL if he's willing to play for less than that. Because he was still a productive player on the ice in spite of everything that was going on off of it. And that leads to my next question in terms of teams who might be interested. I, I'm, I'm very curious considering everything that we've heard. It doesn't. I don't get the sense that teammates want to play with Evander Kane or at least his reputation has been has been made to be thought out that way in spite of the way he was portrayed in San Jose. I'd be very surprised to see which teams would be interested in him despite the fact that he was a productive player. Well, he wore out his welcome with the Sharks. He did. You know, I, you know I, I'm not sure that's always been the case everywhere all the time. You know, to be fair to the guy, I mean, it, it, look, it's – it happened in Winnipeg for sure. Yes. There was, there was an incident that basically led to him being traded to Buffalo. Um, 
you know, in Buffalo, he had some legal issues, but, you know, I'm not sure the Sabres players needed him gone. If you know what I mean? He was traded at a time when that team was in a rebuild and getting assets and blah, 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 blah. Uh, same same day as yesterday. Still going on there. Um, it's still going. But, um, you know, I, I despite that, he had one of his best seasons on the ice last year, most productive seasons as an NHL player. And, you know, I actually didn't talk to any scouts or anyone who saw him play in the HL, but we can at least look at his stat line and see he put up eight points in five games. So it wasn't like he was a bum even this year in the HL after all that layoff and the suspension and all the controversy or issues in, in the offseason. Um, and so I, I think it really depends. Is he willing to sign a one-year low-money deal, essentially, to join a contender? I mean, if he's willing to do that, I think a lot of really good teams will try to make room for him. Because if you if you look at it from the team's perspective, if he signs a low-money deal and there's no term on it, if it doesn't work, they can just send him to the HL, right? Like, they can just – or pay him not to be there and, and swallow a very small cap hit. Uh, you know, there's very little risk for those teams. And I think that's probably the conditions – he's going to have to play under to start, especially if it ends up being this season. You know, that's probably the smart play. Come back, try to rejuvenate the reputation a bit or show that you're, you've put whatever happened with the Sharks behind you and then be a free agent this summer. I mean, I, I think that, that that could be the path here for Vander, but there's still so much. I mean, again, this kind of came out of the blue. So, the, the, you know, I think it's it's still being worked through how this is going to go and what exactly he wants and and – and all those types of things. But he, he will have another chance to play in the NHL. That much, you know, I saw some people drawing like Antonio Brown comparisons. Like, has he just worn out his welcome for the whole league? I, you know, I don't believe that to be the case. Okay. All right. That's just going to be something we're just going to have to follow going forward. I mean, the fact that he is still a productive player, we see this all over sports. If you're still able to perform in spite of whatever transgressions you have off whatever playing surface you're on, and the teams will find a place for you. That's just kind of what happens for better or for worse. So I, I'm, I'm, well, I, I think that that makes sense that you would say that. Well, and also, look, maybe there's maybe a team can create an environment and I'm not putting this on the Sharks, but I'm saying maybe a team can create an environment where he gets the help he needs, you know, in, in his bankruptcy filing that that happened about a year ago. There's, you know, detailed some pretty significant losses with gambling. Um, you know, I. I'm sure some teams will look at this and see if there's a way that they can create the right circumstances for him to be at his best too. And, Absolutely. And as I say, I actually think the sharks were extremely loyal to him. Like from the bits I know, like I'm not criticizing them. I'm not saying they've turned their back on this player. Like I think that they stood by him for a long time and it just was, it got to be too much. Um, but the talent is there enough that someone is going to give it a shot. Yep, and Evander has to put in the work. Let's go to this next topic, staying uh, in California. Uh, Former Montreal Canadiens GM Mark Bergevin uh, joining the Los Angeles Kings front office. He was actually linked to the Kings while he was still GM of the Montreal Canadiens. I believe it was Larry Brooks who had a report in the New York Post saying, don't be surprised if the LA Kings and and, uh, Mark Bergevin are connected if uh, something were to happen with Mark Bergevin. Lo and behold, he joins the organization as a senior advisor to the GM. So he's going to be working with Rob Blake and President Luc Robitaille. Um, What were your uh, initial, what was your initial reaction to hearing Mark Bergevin join the Los Angeles front office? Well, certainly not a surprise about the landing spot. 
Um, maybe a little surprised. Surprise is strong, but like that he's back working so soon. You know, he, he doesn't have to be. Um, you know, sometimes when a GM or coach is let go, you know, I think it's natural to take that six months where you're still being paid and, you know, just do whatever, clear your mind. I mean, maybe it's it's that sign of our times. It's not exactly like you can go on a nice trip in the same way you once could. So maybe that's part of it. But, you know, I think, you know, not everyone wants to jump right back in the fire. And obviously, uh, in Mark's case, that, that is the case. I mean, you know, it was evident in his in his negotiations with the Canadians that I think part of what he wanted, if it didn't, if he didn't get the money he was he was seeking from the, the Canadians, I think he wanted to be in a, a different kind of market, you know, not where it's 24-7, both languages, every move scrutinized up and down. I'm sure every time he went out to dinner or what have you, there, there was not much privacy in his life, just, you know, Montreal being such a, you know, relatively small city in some ways and just such a hockey mad place. Um, and so I think this makes a whole lot of sense. You know, I, I saw some talk that, that this will transition to him being assistant GM. You know, it's not really clear. And the Kings, quite intentionally, I think, haven't made clear how this will work day to day with Rob Blake, how Mark fits in, you know, what specific areas, you know, he's bringing, you know, being brought in for. Um, but, you know, I, I do think this makes a whole bunch of sense because uh, it's basically the polar opposite of being in Montreal. It's an organization on the rise. You know, I know maybe the Kings haven't had quite the season in some ways that some were hoping that they, they might be ready to break through, but they certainly have a number of great young players in organization. And, and so, yeah, I, I think, you know, probably my initial reaction is just, wow, he wants to get back to work quickly and, you know, what a great place to do it. My initial reaction was, oh, he reunites with Philip Deneau, the player he famously let go in Montreal in order for, and then he ends up joining the Los Angeles Kings. That's a very fun connection between those two. I'm still curious if Mark Bergevin still would like to be a GM somewhere. I think you bring, bring up good points in the fact that he might very well want to be in a market that is not nearly the pressure cooker that Montreal is. I, I believe that for quite some time myself. Uh, I don't know if L.A., if the pathway is there for that, or maybe if there's some organization in the offseason that might want to take an interest at Mark Bergevin as well. But you're right. You you had said this in a previous episode. You didn't expect Mark Bergevin to be out of work too long, but I think it was only about 42 days from him being let go of the Montreal Canadiens GM uh, to his new gig with the Los Angeles Kings. And clearly, look, you mentioned Luke Robitaille. I think having that relationship, you know, gives him comfort to make that decision, right? Because... You know, this isn't a job. If, if you if you put yourself in Mark Bergevin's shoes, I mean, he is still being paid, so this isn't a this isn't a financial decision, quote unquote. You know, you might want to wait and see maybe how some of these GM openings. You know, we still got a number of GM openings around the league. Maybe you want to wait till the off season to see if there's any more GM openings that that come up where you might fit. You know, it's pretty clear he likes this specific market. He likes the opportunity that's been put in front of him. For him to jump at it now, I guess. Well, there's still other decisions pending around the NHL. Like that's that's kind of interesting to me here. And, may, and maybe look, I mean, Vancouver under Jim Rutherford might not be a fit. You know, I think that Vancouver's probably going to go with someone maybe a little less experienced. You know, with with having Rutherford in the president's chair. You know, he's been there, done that in Chicago. You know, maybe Anaheim didn't make sense, but you know, I, I do this. This to me. It's, it sort of symbolizes that he maybe isn't so fixated on just being a GM too, right? That that he's not waiting for all those opportunities to play out or to see what happens this offseason, that that the market was the right fit. And, and, you know, it's not that he can't handle Montreal. I think it's natural, though. Like, if you work one job and 
it kind of you get to a point of what something close to burnout or just you know you want to try something different i just changed a bunch of jobs as everyone knows <laughs> i think it's normal to want to to see what else is out there and do something a little different and challenge yourself in a different way and and you know i think he's, he's found that here in la you know the, the thing that we need to figure out is just how is this all going to fit together what is rob blake's future there is it secure you know i i don't have those answers as we're recording this right now um but you know that team's got to have some success soon. I'll, I'll say it that way. Like, I think this year maybe is okay, but, you know, you, you get to a certain point where we can all say, oh, they got a bunch of prospects. You know, at some point it's got to translate to a bunch of wins. Also, living in Los Angeles where it's sunny every day and warm compared to living in Quebec where we are under an extreme cold warning and it may be feeling as cold as minus 38 later tonight. Eh, the trade-off is... Uh... I understand why you'd go for warmer pastures on the West Coast, Mark. Um, I'll move to the next topic with regards to the uh, the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Over the weekend, they put out a new ad uh, highlighting some racial slurs directed at some of the players involved in the HDA. Nazem Kadri, Matt Dumba, uh, Wayne Simmons, uh, another handful set of players. Akeem Aliou also involved as well uh, with the ad campaign. And it's going to be put on some uh, hockey tape of the HDA. FDA releasing line of hockey tape with Budweiser, this ad campaign uh, written about by Rick West and TSN, our good friend Pierre Lebrun also writing about it for The Athletic. A few things I want to get into with that, but what did you think of the ad? It was impactful, man. It was, uh, I don't know if you saw the uncensored version, if you want to call it that, uh, pretty yeah. raw. Oh, I did. Um, and, you know, I think it's effective. You know, it gets, grabs your attention. I mean, uh, you know, these guys have all lived it, right? I mean, this is their experience. It's not, um, you know, it's not for me to say they shouldn't share that or anything. Certainly, I think, I think that, you know, it, it got great buzz on social media. You know, I saw a lot of key people in the game sort of step up and say, I'm with the HDA, which is part of what was being asked in the ad. And, you know, I, I think, I think it hit the mark, honestly. I think it was really effective campaign and, and, you know, I've seen it on my television a little bit here, watching some of the, the sports channels in Canada. So, um, you know, I, I, I like what they're doing. It's kind of their official launch, even though, of course, they've, they've been getting organized. And, you know, part of the story is that, you know, they and the NHL have not found a way to, to work together. And, and, you know, I don't know if that door is fully closed. It seems like it right now, but, you know, sometimes time can shift things. You know, I hope over time that that, that isn't the case because, you know, I think for them to... I mean, they're, they're going to do great things on their own. They already are. They're getting their message out. You know, as I say, I love this ad campaign, but I think for them, for that organization to grow to what it most can be, it needs the backing of the league that, you know, the most powerful league in the world for hockey. If, if, if change, change can be bottom up, but it, in this case, I think it top down should be the approach because, you know, I think what a lot of what young people see from the NHL seeps in now hockey culture is developed beneath it. And so, you know, I hope that we find our way there. That's that's kind of where I'm at with that, Julian. I'm absolutely in agreement with that. Uh, I do find it weird that uh, the NHL, not surprised because in previous stories we've heard there has been some bat, weird back and forth between the HDA and the NHL. But it a lot is of it surprising. started with money at one point. You know, yes. like it might, it might have gone beyond that now. I don't know if it's it's, it's veered into the personal a little bit. Um, but, you know, it started with the initial, the NHL balked at the initial ask. I think it was $100 million over a, a time frame commitment from the HDA. You know, at a certain point, they, they put out 
a series of things they wanted to see. And, and you know, there, it included specific hiring targets in terms of, you know, considering minority candidates, kind of like a Rooney rule you have in the NFL. It, it you know, was funding for certain programs. And, you know, I think the cost was somewhere targeted to be about $100 million and, and that the league balked at that. Um, you know, it just doesn't seem like for about a year plus since then, things have been very good between the two sides. And as I say, just because they're an impasse today doesn't mean there isn't a way to, to get this back on the rails. But, you know, it certainly isn't happening now. And, and the HTA is pushing forward on its own. You know, it's getting its own sponsorship push here from Budweiser. And so, you know, I do think this is OK. Like the, the, they can still get the right message out. You know, I like what Wayne Simmons said, that they're not trying to tear hockey down. They're trying to shine, you know, the light. I'm paraphrasing, of course, on on things that are still happening within the sport to, to challenge people to be better within it. You know, it's not their idea to say hockey's terrible and, you know, but they, uh, you know, the, I also like that they're doing it for the next generation. You know, that was part of the message I read in some of those stories. It's not just what's relevant, you know, what happened to me when I was 15, you know, to a player in the NHL. It's trying to create a better environment for those coming behind them. And, you know, really on some level, that's what we should all be doing in our lives. Absolutely. I mean, we're still at an issue. We're still at a time now where, unfortunately, racism and, and, and discrimination with regards to players of color, it still happens not just at the NHL level, but at the minor league level as well. There's a story on PEI of a, of a, of a player who was who, who went through some uh, verbal abuse and a player stood up for them and they ended up getting suspended indefinitely. Like we're still trying to eradicate some of that hate and some of that crap from the game of hockey, which is a great game, but we all know the culture is poisoned as it is. So I'm happy that the HDA is is trying to step up and trying to make something happen, but it is still very peculiar that the NHL is not necessarily fully on board with that. But the ad itself, if you have not watched it for whatever reason, take the time to go on YouTube or Twitter or something, just find it and watch it because it is very, very impactful. Also, I don't know if I made it clear, uh, the hockey tape that is being released by the HDA and Budweiser, I believe says tape out hate. Uh, yep. So it's just a nice hockey tape uh, you can put on your uh, put on your stick and uh, I believe you can you can buy it as well. And so, a bunch of NHL yeah. players have, have been using it or had it in warm ups or what have you over the weekend. So that, that was pretty cool too to, to see the support and obviously not just members of the HDA. Yep, absolutely. Tape out hate. The very next thing I want to bring up, John Klingberg of the Dallas Stars, the defenseman uh, speaking to the media over the weekend, uh, seemed to have been in some trade rumors, uh, tried to clarify it and say that they weren't necessarily all true, but it seems as if uh, him and the Dallas Stars are at a bit of an impasse when it comes to a new contract. And he doesn't like the way that he's being treated. I don't have the full quote in front of me, but he more or less, he said those words. He doesn't feel appreciated. That's the exact quote. Thank you for that. Um, what's going on there? And ironically, has that led to teams kind of expressing interest in trading for him? Well, if you're Dallas, do you really want to trade him? Would be the question. I mean, look, it's it's the situation. It, it's actually kind of straightforward. You know, he's in a contract year. He's played 500 games to the organization. He's been a wildly productive player. And, you know, there were discussions earlier in the season on a potential extension that that went quiet, that, that didn't produce the result. And I think at that point, you know, John, through his agent, let it be known to the stars that, that he was willing to move on. That, you know, maybe not a full on, you have to trade me, but, you know, basically, if you're not going to sign me, I'm open to this. And, and I think, you know, What's happened is more times getting on. There's there's frustration on his side. He doesn't feel appreciated. You know, I believe that to be a true quote. 
um, you know, he's looking for a monster deal. I, th- I think this, the challenge for the Stars is they already have obviously a few big contracts on their books. They've, they've signed Miro Heiskanen uh, to a significant deal as well, just shy of eight point five million. And you know, Klingberg's getting older. Do they want to give him an eight-year contract? Can they give him somewhere close to like eight years and eight million, uh, which is you know what I believe he's seeking? And, and so, you know, I think what we have to see first with Dallas is. You know, they had a pretty emotional loss on Sunday. They, they ended the Penguins' 10-game win streak on Saturday. Like, are they a seller or not? I think we'll probably determine where this goes, unless it gets to a point, and, and this is where I don't think it is, where Klingberg's saying, I just won't play her anymore. Like, you have to trade me. Like, I don't, I don't think it got to that level. I just think it's been an emotional negotiation that went quiet. There's frustration on the player side. He's dealing with – he's stuck in the business now um, side of the game. And, you know, the Stars actually signed a really smart deal with him way back in time. I, I – it was a seven-year contract, I think four and a half million a year, but he, they signed it when he played like 70 NHL games. Like at the time, I remember everyone was like, wow, a seven-year deal for a guy that's played, you know, less than a full season. And it proved to be a home run for them because he was so productive on it. And basically they 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 recognized the talent before he'd shown it and they rewarded him for that. And so now he's at a point where he's got to he's got to chase the chatter a little bit um, and and get, get what he's worth. It's totally fair. And I'm just not sure it's going to be in Dallas. And so... You know, I think it's a situation that bears watching just because it flared up over the weekend with those public comments. I don't think it's a sign, actually, he's closer to being traded or anything like that. I mean, if, if Dallas has any hopes to compete this year, uh, you know, in the playoffs, have a, a run, I can't imagine them flipping him. Like, what are you going to get for him that's that's really going to improve your spot? Now, you know, there's still, still a number of weeks here before the trade deadline. And so I, I think... I think this will run its course a little bit. Like it'll go quiet again, and then we'll we'll be revisiting it in the early part of March and see are the stars buyers and buyers or sellers at the deadline. If they're sellers, you know maybe he's a pretty big piece that could be dangled. So uh, TSN shouldn't be rushing to put him on their trade bait board yet. Well, I'm sure the bosses there would have him on the trade bait board. I mean, I'm I'm not in charge of that board, but I do believe if there was a trade bait coming out this week, yeah, you put him on there. I mean, look. This sort of conversation comes up, you know, teams already knew he was a UFA and he didn't have a new deals, but now there is more room to at least explore what it might take to acquire him, you know, sniff all that out. Um, but I, I'm just saying that it's it's not a slam dunk he's traded. Let's see where it goes. Because I, I don't, my sense is that it, that's that's where maybe that that's like the great part of the, the, the trade report is that I don't think he demanded out I just said, I think he said he's willing to move on if they don't want to sign him. And I know that sounds a little bit like semantics, but it's different because he's still playing for his team. He's still willing to see where, what might be. But there's definitely frustration. I mean, you could you can understand it. Absolutely. Um, he's been a really good player for them for a long time. He loves the city. He loves the organization. And he's not feeling the love back. And I don't think it's because they don't love him. I think that you have to make a business decision in a cap world and you already have Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn and now Hayskin and making what he's making. I mean, you got to be careful who you, how many players you commit those kind of dollars to in terms of building out the rest of the team. And that's essentially where the decision now lies for, for Jim Nell. 
So we've gone through a lot of topics in about 30 minutes. You'd think this would be an ideal place to stop. Psych, we still have Ask CJ, and I still have to ask you about your latest for Inside the NHL, which you can read in the Toronto Star. Uh, we've seen uh, some prospective names for Olympic teams. Uh, well, the men's teams, I should say. Eric Stahl among one of those names, a guy who has had not played in the NHL this year, was last with the Montreal Canadiens, still an unrestricted free agent, but has the chance, possibly, to play in Beijing in February for a gold medal. You got the chance to talk to him for your article. Tell us about that chat. Well, what's interesting to me, I, t- I caught up with Eric Stahl on Sunday afternoon, and, and you know, a player with his career might just call it quits here, right? He's won an Olympic gold medal. He's won a World Championship gold medal. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's played 1,300 games nearly in the NHL. He's scored over 1,000 points. He's had a great career, fantastic career. And, you know, he went through last summer after that cup run with the Canadians, being, you know, a role player on the Canadians team that went to the final. And he didn't get a contract offer from an NHL team, or at least not one that he was willing to or able to accept. And so, you know, I think at that stage, at age 37, some guys would be fully justified putting their feet up and going, do you know what? It's been a hell of a ride. Uh, And that's it. But Eric, you know, he's been back home in Minnesota these last few months, skating regularly every week, a couple times a week keeping himself in shape, and he he's pretty motivated from the sounds of it to play NHL games again this season. And so what's interesting about this Olympic opportunity, of course, is that he was part of Canada's gold medal win in 2010. He was actually on the taxi squad with something they had at the Turn Olympics in 2006. It was his first uh, full year in the NHL, or second full year in the NHL, pardon me. But, you know, and, and he was part of that team as a very young player. Didn't get to play any games, but, you know, got that experience. And so, you know, I think Team Canada is looking for, I mean, they'd love to have someone with that experience to, to take and be a leader on a, on a team. And so this might line up just perfectly for him to go to Beijing, play, maybe show some teams that he's still got that fire, that he's kept himself in shape, that, you know, that it's not just words. He can sort of back it up there with his performance. And, you know, all he has to do is sign a deal before March 21st to be eligible to play in the playoffs. And, and so, you know, it's, it was cool to catch up with him. It's it just you don't know what, how you're going to find a guy at that stage of his life. And he sounded pretty fired up, honestly. And he actually said it was the playoff run with the Canadians that did it uh, because he, you know, he detailed how difficult last season was for him. He got traded from Buffalo to Montreal in season. He's just like all the testing and the, the travel wasn't the same and the empty fan arena games. He just, you know, last season sounded like a grind. You know, he didn't use that word, but that that's how it, he communicated. And then he said the playoffs come around. It was more like a normal schedule. We started to get fans back in the buildings. Obviously, by the time they played Vegas and then Tampa, it was full buildings again. And and it sparked something in him that, that he still has that drive and desire. And so, you know, as, as we look ahead a little bit to now in a men's Olympic team with no NHL players, you know, I think he'll very likely be there. You know, it's not 100% done. He's dealing with some paperwork issues and things like that. But, you know, I do, I do think the odds are pretty strong that he's going to play for Team Canada. And then afterwards, we're going to be talking about him probably come back to the NHL. He's had three or four teams that have kept an open line of communication. Uh, I love the line he said to me. He said, there's got to be a few teams out there that don't even realize they need me yet or something like that. And uh, oh. you know, I think he's just got a chip on his shoulder. Like he, un- he believes he can be kind of a player that chips in and, and plays small minutes. He'll, he'll play on the wing, he'll play center. He'll you know bring a leadership component. He wants to, He just wants to be part of a group. And look, there's a lot of guys around the league that did that. You know, Brian Boyle had... I believe a season off and then he's now playing for Pittsburgh uh, and, and the Penguins, as I mentioned, just had a 10 game win streak. I mean, he's playing a role there. You know, Jason Spezza's played a pretty big role. 
with the Maple Leafs, but but again in a fourth line role and a very different role than what he built his career and his name on. You know, I think Eric Stahl is looking around the league and seeing other players his age. Corey Perry still playing down in Tampa, uh, and and he thinks he can do it. So you know, I uh, I, do, I certainly don't doubt him. I, I do expect that you're going to see him get back in the mix here in the next uh, few weeks and, and months. Now I'm just curious about these teams that are interested in him and, and thinking of what teams make sense. Minnesota, because he's played in Minnesota, obviously. And lives there. Be- and lives there. Carolina would make a lot. It would be pretty fun to see. That's the team where he won his Stanley Cup chip with. I wonder if the Leafs would be interested in him. I wonder if the Avalanche would be interested in him. I thought he was going to the Avalanche last year. Then he ended up going to the Montreal Canadiens. So a lot. Of, I'm 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 pretty intrigued about the teams if, who might. If we're going to sign up for the story, and we are journalists, we're storytellers. Uh, I'd love to see Carolina just selfishly. Oh. You know, his brother Jordan still plays there. And you know, he's got a huge tie to that organization. And, and I think the Hurricanes have a chance to win a cup. So I think, that, you know, it would be kind of a feel-good kind of piece. You know, but, man, if you ended up in Colorado or, or Toronto, any of these teams, you know, look, because money's not going to be the issue, right? He's he's just – he's looking for a spot. And so, you know, I assume he's coming in on a league minimum. You know, he's really trying to find the right position, maybe where they have a bit of a role for him. You know, I don't think – I don't think he wants to necessarily – you know, I – I'm guessing he doesn't want to sign to be the 14th forward, uh, at mm. least not not going in. So, you know, it's probably got to be somewhere where he sees a situation where there's a need for him and then where there's a chance to win a cup. I mean, I, he's not just signing anywhere to play a few more NHL games. I mean, he's wherever he signs is going to be what we call a good team, potentially a great team, and he just wants to, to be part of it. And now it's time for Ask CJ, our weekly segment where we take questions from Discord and Twitter and we direct them all to CJ, the big brain of his. Uh, this question I want to read out, depending on how you answer it, might hurt my heart a little bit. This is from my colleague at The Athletic, Joshua Cloak. How much pineapple are you going to want on your pizza at the party before the game in Hamilton? As much as Josh wants to put there. I don't know if you follow Josh on the socials, but that man cooks pie. Like His pizzas all look amazing. I feel like he eats oh. pizza like multiple times a week. I, I don't know if it's just time bending <laughs> on itself, but I feel like he's putting a lot of pictures on the IG and even Twitter sometimes with his pizza creations. They all look amazing. You know, I'm my stance on pineapple on pizza is I don't love it enough that I'd ever order it, but if it's there, I will eat it. And so Josh it looks like he's a, a whiz with the pizza stone. And so if he wants to put pineapple on that pie that he's serving me, I, I will take it, but I'm not asking for a specific quantity or amount. By the way, that Hamilton game, it's uh, what, the Sabres and the Leafs? That's still going on? That's in what, February or March? March 13th and in limbo is the best way to put it. The NHL is proceeding like it's going on. They had staffers up there this week um, doing the prep work they would normally do. You know, my point is they're they're preparing like it's happening, but they haven't received word from the Ontario government, you know, if there'll be any restrictions on fans and things like that. You know, there's actually a, a men's qualifying game due to be played at Tim Hortons Field men's soccer uh, Yes. Qualifying. I believe it's January 30th. And so that might offer us at least a tip of what might happen here. I, I don't know the circumstances, if they can have a full crowd or not. But my guess is if they can have a full crowd for that soccer game outdoors on January 30th, the NHL will be able to have a full crowd on March 13th outdoor. And and that, you know, they'll go ahead. But if not, like I, I get the sense from people I've talked to that if if the province says you can only have 50 percent capacity to name a number, I, I don't think that game will be played this season. I think they'll push it to next year. 
Man, that's all. Man, I completely not completely forgot, but it is true. They, we, the Canada is still trying to qualify for the World Cup in 2022 in Qatar, and they go from playing at the Ice Teca to the Donut Box in Hamilton, and it might not be in front of so many fans. I I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. At and the end and of the I month. don't know the status of that. I really like. I haven't heard anything, but I know they sold the tickets out in like record time. Like they they sold the full building. I just don't know. I mean. Let's not let's not go down this road again. But like it's outside, please. Let's, let's have fans in the building. How difficult? This is from Nick Richard uh, on Twitter. How difficult do you think it will be for the Leafs to move Nick Ritchie's contract? And what kind of asset, if any, will they need to attach to it? Theoretically, Jack Campbell's extension money is tied up between Nick Ritchie and Peter Morazek. Not ideal. Nick Ritchie was on waivers and then ends up back for the Leafs and scores against the Colorado Avalanche on Saturday. It's going to be difficult. I mean, there's not that many teams stepping up to just, you know, help help a team like the Leafs out of this bind. I mean, what we know about their cap situation that any team speaking to them in the trade talk knows about it. And so it's going to it's going to cost an asset. I mean, look what they were paying, like third round picks last year to get half of Nick Foligno's uh, contract eight by a third party team for whatever, 60 days of the season, like just the end of the season. You know, that that was a third round pick for whatever that cap space was, I, I believe. Nick Ritchie at this stage of the season would be more cap space and more dollars because there's also next year attached to it. So you're looking at something more than a third round pick. Um, the Leafs only the Leafs have a first, second, and seventh for 2022. They can of course trade future picks too. But you know, I, I don't know that they're going to be able to move it. Is is kind of what I'm pointing you to here. I mean, the off season brings about different opportunities. Perhaps there's a buyout, or you know, I think there's different trade possibilities. Then I think in season, unless they're bringing back another unwanted contract from the other team or you know there's something creative done there you know they'll probably stick with the guy look he went through waivers was going to be sent to the hl the leafs had two more players to covid protocol and he scored in saturday's game i mean sometimes weird things happen maybe now he'll just he'll play a little bit better or maybe the leafs will get more injuries and they're just going to have a, a need for him you know as much as they could use the flexibility of clearing that cap space i'm not sure it's worth the cost of a second round pick or a first round pick, something like that, because they probably want to save that asset to, to try to bring in a player at some point. From original sin 33 on Twitter, what do you feel it will take for the national hockey league to give up on an all-star game completely this year? I don't think it's happening. I mean, the only thing that could see it happen, I believe is if the players all banded together and said like, we're not going to go um, because it would be hard. I mean, look, that's always there's sort of a, a healthy tension there let's put it every year right about who who's really injured who's not who attends all-star weekend we've seen players have to sit out a game on the other side but i think it's harder in a pandemic to force someone who says they have covid concerns about going to vegas to play and so as long as enough players are on board that the event can be held you know the nhl certainly is full steam ahead on it um you know it's only it's three and a half weeks from today that that the all-star weekend's getting going i mean it's pretty close and and it's a big event for ESPN. It's their first year as a U.S. national television rights partner. Um, I think the league's excited about Vegas. I actually think a number of players are excited about Vegas for yeah. lots of different reasons. And so I really expect that event to go ahead. I mean, we've learned in times like this, like you can't assume anything 100%. Like there could be some, you know, I remember we we're like talking like, yeah, the league revenues are going to be here, here, here. And then like 200 players are in COVID protocol and every game's canceled for a week. So like, I guess there are those if there's another crazy wave through the league or something that makes it untenable. Uh, but at this stage, I, 
it's say it's going to go ahead and and i actually think it's going to be fun i'm hoping to go myself so i'm looking forward to it jealous uh let's take a question i gotta from get Dis- out of here man it's minus 17 i know i know i know i know let's take questions from discord by the way if you want to join the sdpn discord sdpn.ca we have the link to join the discord from there this one is from fantastic on discord if you couldn't report on sports that's good if you couldn't report on sports but we're still reporters what would you want to report on Ooh. This is where I'm going to be revealed as being like remarkably single-minded. Um, I think, I don't think I would report on anything else. Like I did, I did it a tour through news. I worked at the Ottawa citizen as a news reporter. I actually did pretty well at it. And it, I was a young reporter then. And it forced me to do some uncomfortable things. You know, have to, having to talk to the family, uh, you know, whose, whose kid had been murdered actually. Um, I, I had to go to uh, Petawawa after one of the soldiers was killed in Afghanistan and, and their family and, and the community in Petawawa was where the person had been stationed. You know, I did do a lot of uncomfortable things. And even though I could do them, I and, and I did, you know, I got some good stories out of it. it. It made me realize I really, I didn't want to play in that sandbox. I didn't want my good day to be when I convinced someone who's mourning to talk to me. And, and I have full respect for people who do that job. Like I'm not putting it down, but that even though I could do it, I didn't want to do it. And so that doesn't really interest me. You know, I don't think I'm qualified to do other specialized things like business reporting, you know, as much as I have a, an interest in, you know, the, the money game, the Bitcoin stuff that, you know, we talk about, I, you know, it's a hobby. It's not something I feel qualified to do. And so I think I would just do something different altogether um if it's not sports i mean if it wasn't hockey it'd be golf and i've done a fair bit of golf reporting over the years i really enjoyed that um you know the golfers are really interesting like they're basically all independent contractors right so it's they they're kind of incentivized to a to build their brands to talk to reporters there's no teammate dynamic so to speak right like hockey players i think have to be mindful of how they describe things in a game because they don't want to look they're showing up the person they're battling beside but you know golfers out there alone other than this his or her caddy. Um, and so I, I, it, you can get into some pretty deep philosophical discussions with a golfer. It's also a very, it's a game played between the ears as much as it is on the fairways. Um, so I love that sport, but yeah, I, I do something totally different. It's funny. I think about this, you know, I, I put out recently that I'm 40, just turned 40 and I've had some thoughts that like, maybe I won't be a hockey reporter forever, you know, I, but I don't have the next, I don't have the next thing fully mapped out. And I, and I'm not saying I'm unhappy or anything like that, but I'm just kind of mindful that there could be a next chapter and, and, and I don't know precisely what it's going to be. Like I have some ideas, um, but I'm not fully there yet. And, and I am really happy doing what I'm doing. Like I have to be clear on that. It's just, you know, I think you have to find new challenges in your life to, to really get the best out of yourself. And you can do that by doing what I've just done, by switching these jobs up, starting a podcast, you know, stretching, stretching your arms and legs out and trying new things. Um, you know, but I, I, I'm cognizant of the fact that I might reach a point that I have to take an even bigger leap, but the good news is I don't have to do that today. And and I don't think it's coming in the next year or two or anything like that. It might be, you know, a five or 10 year project. That's interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I just haven't figured it out. I'm not being coy. I literally, it's not like I'm sitting on what the answer is. If I was sitting on what the answer is, I might be doing it today. Right. If, 
if I yeah, had, exactly. if I had some burning thing in my heart and I felt I need to be doing instead, I'd probably be chasing that. You know, it's not there yet. It's just like a a small kernel of an idea that's like forming, and we'll just see how it develops. Okay, my answer would be music journalism. Uh, I would want to interview like artists for like complex or something or some music outlet i've done the news thing as well i was a weatherman once upon a time that was a fun three what three four years that was that was fun doing tv but also doing some tv reporting and sports reporting and news reporting as well and what during the covid when when it was starting up with cp i was writing covid stories every few days too so yeah i've 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 done the news stuff too but i i sports is where i've wanted to be all my life so I'm, i'm pretty happy here and i'm just getting started in my career so i don't have any secret retirement thing that i want to do in the next few well, years <laughs> I'm not, I, for me it's not a retirement thing it's like it's a next phase you know i think yeah. you want to be on a ship you don't want to do the same thing this year you did last year that's always my goal and obviously i've been doing the same thing i.e covering the nhl for almost 20 years but i've done a lot of different you know things within that i've worked for different companies i branched out at one point from writing to tv you know i'm doing a lot more radio now now we have a podcast like the point is you can scratch the itch in different ways, but I think you really, you don't want to just be giving your companies or even your own brain. It's not healthy. You got to, you got to challenge yourself. You got to try new things. Next question. Uh, you become commish of the national hockey league and you want to reform the way standings and points work. What do you do? Are all games worth three points? Conferences seated one through eight playoff teams seated one through 16 from a Leafs fan who's about to see his team finish in the top five in the league and start the playoffs on the road. This is from pinchy 24 on discord. What's funny is that happened to the Leafs once before. I mean, maybe they don't find it funny, but there was a season that might be 2018 off the top of my head, where I think where the Leafs were fifth overall and they started on the road at Boston because they had Tampa and Boston one, three and five or whatever in the league. Uh, I don't, I don't like the divisional playoffs, but me neither, but I, I have to call it as it is. I'll be pretty excited if it's Edmonton, Calgary in a playoff series or Toronto, Montreal with fans. I know we got it last year, but I mean, I want to see the real thing, um, you know, or, if the California teams play each other or the, the battle of Florida we saw last year, that Florida Tampa series is probably one of the best individual series of last year's playoffs. Yes. So the problem is I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth because I don't like, I don't like that you could finish fifth overall. It doesn't matter because it's the least that we had talked about a lot, but if it's, if it's any other division, I would say the same thing. Like it's, intellectually, that doesn't make sense that you could start on the road and you're the fifth best team in the league over an 82 game regular season. I mean, what's the point of an 82 game regular season if that doesn't afford you some kind of advantage if you differentiate differentiate yourself from 27 other teams in the league. Um but then at the same time the regional rivalry thing does resonate and I think it pops and it's good for TV and so I see the league being caught between a rock and a hard place there. I actually wouldn't mind seeing the 1 to 16 deal just cuz I I think it's most fair. I get the problem is you could get Vancouver, Florida in round one and just the travel on that is stupid and, and that's round one. And if you're Vancouver, let's say you're Vancouver just for fun because they're because of geographically where they are and you finish number yeah. one overall in the league. And then your advantage is you play the 16th best team in round one, which is great, but you got to fly six hours to play them like that. And, and you know, in, you're already putting those miles on your player's body before you've even had a chance to get going at the playoffs. So I think you have to keep it regional to some degree um the points thing it doesn't bother me as much as it used to i don't know why maybe i should look at 
I feel like fewer games are going to shootouts. I I don't like the shootout. I would just eliminate yeah, the shootout if I could. Me too. Um, yeah, if I haven't given you a good answer here because it's not succinct. I'm kind of just spewing my thoughts. But I, I do think you kind of have to keep something regionally-ish just to make the playoffs work early on. Um, but the divisional playoff thing is hard. I mean, what? actually, the conferences used to work. I'm not sure why why we fully got our way from the conferences, East and West, one to eight. Like, to me, that was at least more fair. You're dividing two groupings of 16 teams, and you're at least among what's fair among those 16 teams. Like, the best of them will get home ice advantage and all that. And you're still going to get some regional-type things happen. So that might be where I go now that I've worked this through as I go back to a conference format. For CJ, how weird or cool is it being a famous person from a smaller town? How have you handled it so far? This is from Bathtub on Discord. I don't know how famous I am. I'm I'm like recognized a fair bit, but it like no one's ever that excited, right? Like you sort of feel like a C-list celebrity or something. Like a lot of times, <laughs> I don't mean it in a bad way, and right? I'm not even being humble. It's just the truth. Like a lot of times people are like, hey, you're that guy. And I'm like, yeah, hey, good to meet you. And then they're like, cool. And then they move on, right? Like, it's not like people are really bothering me or too often or, you know, the odd photo or something. Honestly, a lot of people say encouraging things. Like, that's actually the nicest. Like, sometimes I'm literally just walking down the street, like, on a Tuesday, completely on my own head about whatever's going on in my life. And someone be like, CJ, I love the pod. Or CJ, I love your work. And, like, that that actually is like, wow, that's really nice. So I would say there's there's no downside for me, not that I've ever experienced, because... I don't feel like it infringes on my privacy or anything like that. And if anything, it's just people saying nice things. I've never had anyone say anything. Certainly had lots of trash talk on Twitter and stuff. No one's ever come up to me in person and like come at me over an article or a take or said, well, that's good. Right. Well, and, and honestly in Canada, it, or in Toronto, especially, I get recognized a ton. I, I used to work Leafs games and stuff for Sportsnet. So I think it's just like if you like hockey and you watch Sportsnet, you probably had seen me. Uh, I remember once I was on vacation in Scotland and got recognized in St. Andrews, like on the street. By That's a Canadian, so cool. By a Canadian, of course. But like still, like it's happened some funny places where you don't expect it. Um, I can actually tell you a funny story. The first time it, that I ever remember it happening, um, I was I was at a bar. And it obviously must have been new when I was starting to do TV. Um, I'm trying to remember, the bar is called The Wellington in, in downtown Toronto. And it was a bar where people were seated at the bar. And so I had to kind of approach behind someone seated to order my drink. And the person like just turned around and go, Chris Johnson, like, like kind of like that. And like, I'm staring at them. And I'm like, do I work with this person? Do I know them from high school? Like they just said my name, right? And I'm staring and like, I think I must have looked confused. And the person was like, oh no, I just recognize you from TV. I was like, oh, thanks, man. Like, and, and that was it. But I was like, that was like the first time I'd ever really been recognized where someone said it and, and I didn't even know how to react. Uh, I hope I've gotten a little smoother. And I've, I've met tons of cool people, honestly, this way too. So um, I'd say there's no downsides. Obviously, I love being from Coburg. I wear that on my sleeve and on my coffee mug. And um, yeah, I like shouting out my hometown just because it's a great place to be from. There's a lot of great people there. Uh, but I'm not really all that famous when, when we get down to it sdpn.ca uh for our store if you want to wear a coburg sweater or get a coburg mug or wear a piece of coburg on yourself somewhere i have one last one for you then we'll get going what is the best goal song in the league do you like the leafs current goal song this is from the law on discord no i'm over the hall and oats big time um you know i saw james Murnell at the athletic had a story with a 
you know, fairly prominent uh, record producer who just come up with his own goal song. It actually sounded kind of cool to me, that one. Uh, the coolest, the Dallas Stars one might be the coolest for me. They got like this old Pantera tune and when they score, it's like Dallas Stars. Like it, like it's hard, it'd be hard not to be pumped up. Um, I, I love Boston. Like that. It's just like it, that building froths. Like I, I feel like they do such a good job there. Like they always play shipping up to Boston and, and, you know, like they just, they really, especially like I've been there for a ton of playoff games and Stanley Cup final games and everything. Like it's just like one of the cool arenas that I think when you're a road player, like that's, that's a hard place to play. And I think the goal song plays, um, you know, part of it. I kind of get over the Chelsea dagger in Chicago. Like it's, yeah. it was really distinctive. I actually used to love that song, the Fratelli's when it first came out, but it kind of, kind of got a little annoying maybe, or just whatever. But you know, it's just cause I've heard it so much. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is a good goal song. I'm going Dallas number one and Boston number two, though, off the top of my head. Um, and I, I do think it's time for the Leafs to change. I, I don't get, I just don't get the Hall and Oates thing. Like, the reason I actually initially balked, I'm like, when they first put it in, I'm like, you have like this exciting young team, all these cool guys that are into other stuff. Like, let them pick something like totally unique. Like, I loved, I loved when Team North America went with the, uh, what was it? Opposite of adults or something? Yes, Chitty Bang. Yeah, like I just loved that it was so different. I'm, I'm not saying the Leafs should have done that, but like I was like they should have like done something cool and way off the map, like not non hockey. Because like back again when they put it in, like Matthews and Marner were like 20 and 19, and and Nylander, and like they had all this swagger. And I was like they they shouldn't be going to some 80s song. Like they should be doing something cool. I mean now those guys are more established. I just, yeah, I think I think they should mix it up, but I don't get the sense they're going to. We're on like season four or five of Hall of Notes. It's just like we're stuck in the '80s here at Scotiabank Arena. <laughs> Uh, my picks, not that anyone asked. Uh, the Sabres had this great song from DJ Cool once upon a time, but I think they've made it personalized goal songs now. And they did, in, yeah. Carol, in Carolina, uh, they have a song from Petey Pablo, uh, Raise Up. That's that, those are two, those are two great ones for me, uh, that I enjoy. I don't like the Canadians one all that much. I just think it's just kind of bland, but, uh, the Sabres. I love the horn. Well, the in horn's Montreal. good. The horn, the horn but, is great. But like they, they could do better after the horn. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to do it for Ask CJ, and uh, that's going to do it for the CJ show on a Monday. I told you it was going to be jam-packed. We went through a lot of stuff in what has felt like it felt like it kind of flew a little bit, but like that was that was fun. We're getting where the news cycle is starting back up again with the games coming back. I love this. It's churning, and we kept it nice and tight, thirty minutes, just as Adam Wilde wants it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Boss, man, we're just doing it for you. We're out here doing it for you, brother. Of course. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out the SDP. Check out Agent Provocateur when it comes out as well. Uh, There's supposed to be an announcement coming. I don't know what it is, personally. Do you know what this announcement is? No, these guys are growing so big. Like, they're just making announcements. We don't even hear about them, man. Like, we don't even get the email. Like, it just... yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one day we're just going to like wake up and it's going to be like, oh, wow, this prominent person just joined the SDPN. I feel like one day I'm going to wake up, walk downtown Toronto, and look up one of these like 80 story towers. and There's just going to be SDPN on it or something like, yo, you know, it's going to be like headquarters is going to be at like Bay Street or something with these guys. They're they're building just, an empire. 
That's what it's looking like. Join us on Discord, buy stuff from the store, do all the other fun stuff, and don't forget to subscribe uh, to uh, the Toronto Star for Inside the NHL stuff from Chris Johnson. Don't forget to subscribe to The Athletic for stuff from me and all the other fun stuff you can get there. If you are already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can listen to this podcast ad-free. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. We'll be back at it on Thursday with Stick Taps. The Chris Johnson Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK McKenzie.